0: The reading this
1: morning is taken from Genesis chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 1 to 13. It can be found in your church Bibles on page 5. Now, the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The snake deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the snake, Because you have done this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: It's coming home and all that. You must have heard the song. But then on the fateful Wednesday, last Wednesday evening, it all went pear shaped as England was unceremoniously bundled out. Yes, we lost. So sad. And I must say, the scars will take time to heal. That's another story. Today we're starting a three-part series, as um, Peter said, and uh, Who Are You in Christ, part one, this is Identity in Jeopardy, and it all builds up to a thrilling climax in two weeks' time. Here's something that didn't come in this morning's reading. Oh, it's not coming. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) What you should have seen, (laughs) I'll tell you what you should have seen. You should have seen on the screen there, you have to use your imagination now, it said, uh, it was the first thing actually that uh, Adam said to Eve, Madam, I'm Adam. (laughs) What's odd about that? Does anybody know? It's a palindrome. palindrome. Oh yes, okay, you're well briefed. (laughs) Absolutely right. It reads the same forward and backwards. Uh, The... The other thing is that the first thing that Eve said to Adam, do you love me? And he replied, well, who else is there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm sorry about that. Can we move on? It's unfortunate, isn't it, that we trivialize the first few chapters of Genesis and we fail to see the important points which are made. And you hear expressions like, ooh, can you Adam and Eve it? which means that something is incredible. It's impossible to believe, just like Adam and Eve. And you see cartoons like, you would have seen a cartoon up there, um, of of Adam and Eve and, and the snake. And they're all mildly amusing, but they sadly make fun of the whole issue of the Garden of Eden and the fall of man and imply that it can't possibly be true. Now you may have done searches on the internet, I often do, and it's amazing how much information you can find. I looked up Garden of Eden on Google and I found 153 million entries. The whole idea of Eden resonates with many people in many ways, which is why we have, for example, the Eden Project in the southwest. I've never been, some of you maybe have. It's a dramatic global garden that nestles in a crater the size of 30 football pitches. The the American author John Steinbeck wrote a novel, East of Eden. And the singer Bob Dylan wrote a song called The Gates of Eden. Actually, you may not realise this, but there's someone in this church called Eden Makes you wonder, I wonder what he calls his garden. (laughs) Adam and Eve were even more popular and I found 159 million entries. Didn't read them all? You find a lot of the events from the Bible in classical paintings and I particularly like the one I was going to show you (laughs) which is a detail from the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican and it's painted by Michelangelo and it shows the creation of man. It's a serious attempt to depict uh, in visual form the creation of man. So what can we say about the beginning of Genesis? However you see it, there has to be a literal encounter between man and God if we're to make sense of the creation, the cross and the resurrection. And we can debate the when and the where and the why's and the wherefores. But not the actual event. And and we learn that God created the physical world, and last of all, Adam and Eve, the first human beings. It's, It's quite interesting, isn't it, that scientists now accept that we do all have common ancestry, that there was an original man and woman, and there is compelling genetic evidence to show that humans are direct descendants of one man and one woman as the Bible says. But in Genesis, this is in Genesis one thirty-one. we didn't read, um, it adds something very significant. It said God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. In other words, the world before the fall was a wonderful place to be. And the Bible points out, too, that God created man in his own image to live with him, reflect him. And serve him. And back in the beginning, it must have been great. We have no concept of what it would have been like. It must have been a state of total innocence, which you and I have never known. And there must have been a wonderful, easy, open relationship with God. I I like that phrase um, about walking with God in um, in the garden in the cool of the day. And that was a wonderful experience that must have been, wonderful experience they have. So wasn't it a shame that Adam and Eve messed it all up? On the few occasions that since we've been living here, it it snowed, our drive gets completely white. And I always feel reluctant to walk on it and spoil it with my footprints. Because when you've trodden on the snow... You can't get rid of the footprints and restore the original beauty, can you? It was a bit like that with Adam and Eve, although the consequences were far more serious. Perhaps by tasting of the tree of good and evil, they forfeited their innocence and decided to do their own thing, which wasn't the original plan. I don't think we can feel responsible for what Adam and Eve did, but we do suffer the consequences What would you have done if you'd been in their shoes? I I like to feel that I would have got it right. I wouldn't have disobeyed God, surely. And you probably feel the same way. We feel that we wouldn't have got it wrong. However, it's most likely that we would have all disobeyed, lost the plot, done our own thing. And you can express it any way you like, but in the end, it does amount to the same thing. And even if we don't like to admit it, we still go on doing our own thing far too often. God knew that that, that was what was going to happen, which is why he sent Jesus to restore the broken relationship between man and God. And there's that wonderful verse in First uh, Corinthians, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ will all be made alive. And I take that to mean that in Jesus the slate was wiped clean and we're again free to have a relationship with God. But we have to choose to have that relationship. But even then, we get it wrong so many times. The Spanish have a proverb which says that the easiest way to overcome temptation Is to give in to it. Which is true. But that's just what happened. In other words, Adam blamed Eve, Eve blamed the snake. And Adam wasn't so much deceived as influenced by Eve, as Paul points out in One Timothy. But at that point, they were both to blame. It's true, isn't it, that we influence each other for better or for worse. You probably realise by now that I'm a football fan. But when our son was, I think it was eight years old, I took him to his first football match at Stoke to see Ipswich play. And he was hooked. Some of you are now tut tutting. And some of you think, I did the right thing. <laughs> the important thing is that what I did then had an influence on my son. And it still has for that matter. He's 30 now. He's worse. (laughs) In fact, what we do has an influence on all those with whom we come into contact. Sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes it's not. Our actions can be positive or negative. I was very impressed just recently with the England football manager, Gareth Southgate, because when England lost the semi-final match against Croatia, he went up to each of the England team to offer his sympathy. But he also spoke to the members of the Croatian team to offer his congratulations. Wasn't that big-hearted? I wonder, though, do we make a positive contribution to the lives of those with whom we come into contact? And do others see something special which makes them want to know Jesus in a personal way? It seems, too, that when Adam fell, all creation fell at the same time. It would seem, although um, Babs didn't read this far, it would seem that childbearing was not originally intended to be painful. But in Genesis three sixteen, God says to Eve, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. Now, it won't surprise you to hear that I have no personal experience of childbearing. <laughs> except as an interested observer. What I would say is that it certainly is painful. Further on in Genesis 3, it says, Cursed is the ground because of you. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And here again, it seems that weeds were not part of the original creation. Wouldn't it have been great fun to be a gardener in those days? You wouldn't have had to do any weeding. Wonderful. After the fall, Adam and Eve had a feeling of insecurity in their relationship with God. They felt naked. They felt exposed. And so they covered up, hoping God wouldn't notice. Which was a bit naive, if you think about it. And yet we all have two identities, don't we? There's the face we put on in public, and then the real identity which is what we're really like in private. The unfortunate thing is that God can see through our pretense because he knows what we're really like. I say unfortunate, but it's just as well he can see us as we really are. Because you can only have a meaningful relationship with anyone if you're open and honest. I wonder are we open and honest with our relationship with God or are we just playing games? Talking about games, this incident which we read about reminds me of what I used to do with my father when I was a little boy. Just before bed, I would go and hide three times and then my father would come and try to find me. On the third time, he, this, this is the rules, you see. He, he had to find me, but then pretend that he hadn't found me, so I could then go off and hide again. <laughs> Complicated. It all sounds daft looking back, but I'll tell you this it was great fun. Adam and Eve were playing games, but as I said earlier, they felt naked, they felt exposed, they felt guilty. It's true, isn't it, that if you're speeding in the car and you break the speed limit, your first reaction is, woo, I hope there aren't any speed cameras. (laughs) It's only when you get booked that we feel guilty, isn't it? I wonder why. (laughs) So can I bring all these strands together? God created man in his own image to live with him, reflect him, and serve him. We're special in God's eyes and are able to have a relationship with our creator. Isn't that something worth shouting about? Isn't it something, is it something that we're living out? Because it's quite a wonderful thing. Are you doing your own thing most of the time? Or are you doing your best to cultivate your relationship with your heavenly father? What sort of influence do we have, do you have, do I have, on those we meet? Do our actions bring others closer to God? Or are we a bad advert for the Christian faith, I wonder? And as we're all members of one human family, are we careful and thoughtful in our dealings with others? Not just in this church or in this country, but worldwide. What do we do that makes the world a better place? Are we aware of the many times which we fall short of God's standards? As the prayer book says, we've left undone those things which we ought to have done and we have done those things which we, have ought, not, which we ought not to have done. Lastly, we have a public identity, the image we show to everybody else. But what are we really like inside? Are we open and honest with our relationship with God or are we just playing games? How are we doing then? If you've travelled by train during the last couple of years, you'll realise there's a nationwide campaign to encourage train passengers and station visitors to report any unusual items or activity. The slogan is, see it, say it, sort it. Sl- I must admit, the slogan irritates me no end. But it's a good one, because I not only remember it, I can't get it out of my mind, I cannot forget the thing. So... Are we playing games like Adam and Eve? If so, may it be true for us that we see it, say it, sorted. I've prepared a handout for you, which you should have been given as you came in church. Um, Please take it away and use it in your private devotions or house groups, and I pray that you will find it helpful. This is the one I am referring to. I trust you were all given a copy as you came in. Amen.